<coughs> excuse me, good role models are hard to find. Today we're introduced to two individuals that uh, Paul says are worthy of commendation. Timothy and Epaphroditus are examples of individuals who model the lifestyle that Paul was encouraging the Philippians to emulate. We saw that uh, he had encouraged the Philippians to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, to put other people's interests before their own, and to accomplish the purpose for which God had saved them. Paul is now sending two individuals to the Philippians shortly. They are Timothy and Epaphroditus. And these two individuals are poster children, if you will, of the kinds of characteristics that Paul has just exhorted the Philippians to demonstrate. Paul informs the Philippians of the reasons that he is sending these men to them. Paul is sending Timothy, in verse 19, so that I may too be cheered by news of you. And Paul is sending Epaphroditus back, in verse 25, in order that the Philippians would be encouraged as a result of Epaphroditus' good health. Philippians 2.26, for he's been longing for you all and had been distressed because you had heard that he was sick. One might wonder, as reading through the book of Philippians at first glance, why Paul would insert these plans for the future, if you will. Why didn't he save it to the end of the letter? Oftentimes, in the end of his epistles, he talks about the future plans and where he's going to go and who he's going to send and to where he's going to send them. But here he does it in the middle. So one might ask the question, why? Why the interruption? Why the aside? Why the excursus? Well, this is not an interruption. He introduces his plans to send Timothy and Epaphroditus to the Philippians because they are living examples, the very embodiment of the exhortations that Paul has been giving to the Philippians as to the manner in which they are to conduct themselves. He has told them how they are to live. Now, he's telling them, I'm going to send you two people that have been living that way. And he wants them to receive them, and he wants them to be uh, useful to them. Timothy is very much an unsung hero in the Bible. We should have a great admiration for Timothy. But somehow, I don't think Timothy gets his due. Uh, it's often the, the case that people that labor in a subservient fashion, as most of Timothy's ministry is under the tutelage of Paul in the New Testament epistles, Paul's still alive. Timothy's still in his, his uh, training years. But Paul is entrusting tremendous responsibility to Timothy, and he's shouldering, shouldering it well, and he's the future after Paul dies. But somehow, I don't think we give him the respect that he should. And this morning, uh, I want us to see that we should respect such people and hold them up as examples for the rest of us. So we begin by looking at, first, Paul informs the Philippians of his intention of sending Timothy to them in his stead. 
Paul's intention of sending Timothy is subservient to the will of God, of course. He says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. The words, I hope, demonstrate the fact that this is not a certitude. And uh, he is saying in the Lord Jesus, meaning in keeping with the Lord's will, it is his intention to send Timothy in the very near future. But all that, of course, depends ultimately on the sovereign working of God. But uh, Paul's intention is to send Timothy to the Philippians in the not-too-distant future. He says in verse 19 that he will send them to the Philippians soon. Soon. That means they're not to look for Timothy tomorrow. <laughs> it's not going to be the next day or even the next week. But it will be soon. He wants them to be ready for Timothy's coming. And it's also meant to be an encouragement. Here's something to look forward to. Put it on your calendar, okay, that uh, help is on its way. Timothy, in fact, is coming, so be of good cheer. Paul's intention in sending Timothy is to be encouraged by what Paul hears concerning the Philippians. So he tells them why he's sending Timothy. Verse 19, so that I may, too, be cheered by news of you. Thus he expects Timothy to make an assessment of the situation in Philippi. Paul wants his own assessment to be based upon fact and not wishful thinking. So he expects Timothy to communicate that assessment to Paul. He expects to get some feedback. Timothy is going to come in and take a gander at what's taking place and let Paul know what's happening. Second thing is that Paul commends Timothy to the Philippians who is coming in Paul's stead. Paul commends Timothy to the Philippians because he is of the same mindset as Paul. Why is Paul sending Timothy as opposed to someone else? That's really what is going on here. Why is he sending Timothy as opposed to someone else? Here are his reasons. First, verse 20. <coughs> For I have no one like him. I have no one like him. And he has translates that <coughs> no one else of kindred spirit. Philippians 2.20, according to the King James, is, For I have no man like-minded. To be of the kindred spirit is to be of the same mindset as the Apostle Paul. Paul says, There is no one that is in tune with me the way Timothy is. Timothy has been discipled by Paul, as we will see. And to follow the philosophy of ministry, his methodology, his approach, uh, Timothy is becoming a miniature Paul. He says there, there's no one that is of kindred spirit. There is no one as like-minded as Timothy. But there's more to it than that. Not only was Timothy in the same mindset as the Apostle Paul was, additionally, he is an example of the mindset that Paul had been exhorting the Philippians to have. For in this uh, translation... Uh, the King James is the most literal. For it says, I have no man like-minded. I have no man like-minded. It means like-minded with Paul, but it's the same word that's used earlier in the text when he exhorts us to like-mindedness. So as a review, let's quickly look at some verses that we'd already talked about in the past. Starting with verse 27 of chapter 1. 127. Only let your manner be of li only let your manner of life 
Be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or are absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving by the side for the faith of the gospel. That striving with one mind. Philippians 2.2. 2. Complete my joy by having the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. Philippians 2.5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Here's this same word. Paul, Paul says that Timothy has this mind, this like-mindedness, this way of walking in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, this mindset of striving for the things of God, that mindset to be like Christ, that mindset that reflects the mind of Paul. That's who Timothy is. That's who Timothy is. And then notice what he says at the end of verse 20. He speaks of Timothy's uniqueness. He is unique in his self-concern for others. He says, I'm no one like him or like-minded who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Genuinely, sincerely, truly con concerned. In what way is Timothy truly unique? Notice verse 21. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And yes, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. That's a rather amazing statement when you think about it. Verse 21, for they all seek their own interests. If you, as you contemplate that, what, what is Paul saying? Is he lashing out against his co-workers? Is he saying, you know, Timothy's the only one that's doing even a half-decent job here. There's no one else that is light-minded, for they all seek their own interests. So what are, our, what are our choices here? Well, first, is this hyperbole or exaggeration? Designed to enhance Timothy's worth and authority as opposed to any other person Paul might have chosen to send and the Philippians might have been willing to welcome. Is this just a way of flattering Timothy? Is this just buttering him up? Is just this trying to make Timothy look good in the sight of others? The most charitable way of understanding this statement is to say it refers to those close at hand. Meaning that of all the people close at hand, there's no one like-minded. They all seek their own interests. But that's not what the text says. He says, in effect, of those I could send, all seek their own interests, not those of Christ. What we're to see is, first, the uniqueness of Timothy. Paul puts Timothy in a class by himself. Timothy is really outstanding. And as you read the book of Timothy, excuse me, as you read the, the scriptures, of course, including the book of Timothy, which 1st and 2nd Timothy is written to Timothy, you see that no one shares the prominence that Timothy does. 
I will get to that in just a moment. But there's no co-worker that rises to the, the place that Timothy occupies. He is the obvious heir apparent to the Apostle Paul after, after Paul dies. To here we see how rare and unique that like-mindedness is. As Paul is exhorting all of the Philippians to be like-minded, he is saying, but I don't have anybody else that has reached this level like, like Timothy has. Uh, it shows that we are all on a journey. It shows that we are all to be working at it. It, it shows that, that we should be striving uh, to achieve these principles that the Word of God sets forth, but we are at different places on that journey, and Timothy is far ahead of the rest. One might think it's a, a rather shocking statement. One might wonder what the co-workers of Paul may think, like a Silas and others, but uh, but, the, but the truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. That selfless concern for others was manifested in a number of ways. I, I want to uh, set the stage here. Timothy was selfless in the way that he was willing to undergo, forego his Christian liberty in order to be better able to minister to others. When Paul encounters Timothy, Timothy is already a believer. In Acts chapter 16, verse 1, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was a young man that had a good reputation. Acts 16, 2. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So he already had a, had a good reputation. Timothy, from the get-go, was willing to sacrifice his Christian liberty in order to minister to others. It tells us in Acts chapter 16, verse 3, that Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because he was of the Jews who were in those places. Paul said, I want you to go with me. Timothy's ready to go. But more than that, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to go, but before you go, I want you to be circumcised. That's a commitment. That's a painful commitment. He could have asked the question, why should I have to be circumcised? You don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Paul says, we're going to be ministering to a bunch of Jewish people, and it would be awfully helpful if you were circumcised. That's kind of an odd thing. How are you going to know he's circumcised? It's a statement. Paul wants to have a tangible manifestation of this guy's commitment. He wants him to shine among the Jewish people. He wants to introduce Timothy as a man who is willing to be following the Lord even in circumcision. Timothy was selfless in the way that he worked as a secular job to provide money for both himself and Paul so that Paul would be free from secular work in order to minister. In Acts chapter 18, we read this concerning Paul. He, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently came from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome and he went to see them. 
And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. And now this. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that, the, that Christ was Jesus. When Timothy and Silas showed up, Paul quit working. Paul just went to preaching. Timothy and Silas were providing the income for all three of them to live. He was willing to take that subservient role. He was willing to work so that Paul could free his time to preach and teach. Timothy was selfless in the way that he ministered to Paul. Acts chapter 19, 21 and 22, it says, Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. And after I have been there, I must see Rome also. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, himself stayed in Asia for a while. There he's described as a helper. A helper to Paul. Elsewhere, he's described as a servant to Paul. Not a servant to Christ, although he was. But he was a servant to Paul. He played a pretty subservient role to begin with. Paul commends Timothy to the Philippians because Timothy is proven to be of great value. Notice verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. Proven worth. That is a huge concept in the New Testament. The Bible tells us that we should not lay hands quickly on anyone. We shouldn't be quick to make someone an elder, but they are to be proven. They are, they are to be tested. They are to be seen to be worthy of the responsibility. They are to be held up well. So how has Timothy proven himself, if you will? Well, Timothy is a co-worker who's been elevated in status. In Philippians 1.1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now, they are viewed as equals. Not always the case. Timothy was often Paul's emissary to the churches. 1 Corinthians 4.17. That is why I sent you Timothy. 1 Corinthians 4.17. Uh, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So he sends Timothy, knowing that Timothy is going to teach exactly what Paul teach, taught. How does he know that? He taught Timothy. And he says, now Timothy's going to teach you exactly what I would teach you. He's been discipled, he's been trained, he's been mentored. Now you receive him, and you receive him like you would receive me, because he's just like me, is what he says of Timothy. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. As I am. First Thessalonians 3, 2. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and settle you. Timothy preached the word. Remember, in Acts, he's working so that Paul can preach. But Timothy preached too. 2 Corinthians 1, 9. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I. All three of them were preaching. Timothy, too, had been imprisoned. Hebrews 13, 22 and 23. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released. He's been in prison, but now he's out. Okay? He's been proven. 
He preached alongside Paul before he preached by himself. He studied under Paul before he went out. And he now is proven. He went to prison for his faith. He says, you know this guy. So hold him in high regard. Paul commends Timothy to the Philippians for the humble manner in which Timothy had served alongside the Apostle Paul. Notice verse 22 of Philippians 2. But you know Timothy's proven worth. And now this, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I like the way that NASB translates it. But you know of his proven worth that he has served with me in the furtherance of God's gospel like a child serving his father. Like a child serving his father. Paul and Timothy had a unique relationship. Timothy served alongside Paul with a great deal of respect. Like a child would respond to his father. Timothy had served alongside Paul, which resulted in a great deal of affection. 2 Timothy 1-2, to Timothy, my beloved son. Paul refers to him now as, as a beloved son. Timothy served alongside of Paul in a manner that Paul was proud of. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. Timothy is not just a, a son, he's a brother. 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. It's interesting how, as you read these passages, Timothy just moves up the ladder. He moves from being a son to Paul calling him a brother. You know, it, it, it's great. And if I can go on a side, Paul, as we, uh, excuse, as we looked at this morning, uh, as our call to worship, Paul said to Timothy, to teach others that they may teach others also. That this was to be passed on, this mentoring, this, this discipleship. This, this is important to have people like this in your life. In my life, it was Pastor, Hel uh, Pastor Hartman, serving under him, serving with him, learning from him, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, respecting him. It's, it's great to see people, you know, we have sons of the church. You know, it's great to see Timothy Zook. You know, and see what God is doing in his life. And to see uh, that now uh, he is uh, uh, pastoring a church and ministering. We've got uh, uh, Tim Bertlett. We've got Pastor Clyde Bumgarner, son of the church. You know, and, and, it, and it's neat when we get together. You know, uh, Pastor uh, Bertlett, uh, Pastor uh, Zuck. When we get together, you know, when they were in the church, they always called me Pastor. Now they call me Cal. We're equals. We're doing the same work. We're having the same ministry. And, you know, to me, the most important part of, of ministry is this aspect of training up the next generation, of having people that now are going to go forth and preach and teach the gospel. I don't think there's any greater responsibility than that. And quite frankly, I think that that's how a church ought to be valued. 
evaluated. You know, we're talking about as a conference, what are the marks of a healthy church? Well, we better be producing people that are going to be uh, serving the next generation. And I'm, and I'm now winging it. I left my notes long ago because I'm running out of time. So if this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, hang with me. But as I'm on this, this tangent, I want to commend you as a congregation. Because you've done some things that I think are pretty remarkable. Okay, Number one, uh, I am extremely grateful that this church has uh, a fund uh, that uh, trains uh, provides for men that want to pastor in the Biofellowship Church. That if they want to pastor in the Biofellowship Church, if they already have their undergraduate work done, and they're going on to seminary, that we pay their entire way. That's incredible. That we pay their, their tuition. Uh, I'm thankful for that fund. I'm thankful for uh, how that is supported. And uh, what a unique opportunity for individuals. Uh, and we have people that have taken advantage of that, and we have one that is going to be taking advantage of that. Uh, we have been uh, mentoring men. We've prov provided opportunity for men to serve, like Pastor Berlin, like Pastor Brandt, before he was Pastor Brandt, uh, while he was a student at uh, Gordon-Conwell Seminary. He did an internship with us. Tim Zook did an internship with us. Uh, we provided those opportunities. Then they go on to serve, and Pastor Brandt now, of course, is on staff here. And now we have Jared that is coming along. And uh, we're going to be voting in June to be calling him as a pastor. We've been doing mentorships with him. We've been uh, giving an opportunity. Uh, you know that uh, uh, right now he is, has this part-time position. But uh, you heard in our report that he has been approved uh, to be uh, receiving a call. Uh, through the pulpit supply system, and uh, he's going to be receiving that call, Lord willing, in June and be coming on the, the, the staff with us. And it's going to be uh, not only uh, an opportunity for him to serve, but also to be uh, developing in his gifts and his abilities. I don't know what God's future is for Jared. I don't know how long he's going to be with us or if God's going to call him to pastor another church and uh, whatever the case may be. But we have the opportunity to be involved in these people's lives. And you have that opportunity to be involved in those people's lives. And I'm excited. I'm hearing of other people that want to, to pastor uh, with us. And uh, the future looks bright. And there are a number of other people. Well, uh, Paul is, is commending this, this Timothy, who he says has proven worth. You have seen him grow. You've seen him grow. But one of the challenges, one of the challenges is giving people their due. It is hard, okay, uh, when you grow up in a subservient role to move into another role, okay? Uh, one of the unique opportunities I've had, for which I'm extremely thankful, because it helps me with the guys that I get to work with from our church, is that I went through that process in my home church. I went from, you know, just Joe Schmo uh, to the Sunday school superintendent and all that stuff, and eventually becoming uh, head of the youth, to eventually becoming on the board, to eventually becoming uh, an associate pastor of my home church. But, you know, it, it's a challenge. 
When you walk up to somebody and they say, I remember when you were in third grade in my Sunday school class. And now you're trying to, to minister to them the word of God. But a wonderful challenge. Wonderful challenge. But rejoice in and see the development and growth within people. Uh, Paul's future plans. Paul hopes to send Timothy just as soon as Paul learns of his fate. Philippians 2.23. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Paul believes that he'll be coming to the Philippians soon. Philippians 2.24. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So conclusion. So conclusion. What should we learn from this passage? A number of things. First, here we see the importance of a young man being mentored by an older man in the Lord. Okay? Uh, here is someone for which Paul can vouchsafe, all right, and that they can relate to. If you go back with me to Philippians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. As I say, there he is raised to the same status as Paul. You need to keep in mind that they know who Timothy is. Timothy was with Paul already in Philippi. But his role was different. He was with and under Paul. Now, Paul is sending him back on his own. And he's telling them, you need to receive this guy like you'd receive me. Okay? Elevate him in your status. See that he has developed. See that he has grown. See that he has been trained. See that he is ready for this work. B, here we see the value of individuals who share our convictions, methodology, outlook, and philosophy of ministry. Paul says he's like-minded. He's like-minded. Here we see the importance of valuing the characteristics of humility, selflessness, servant spirit, and loyalty. We need to respect young men who have great potential, who are being mentored, growing in faith, and experiencing that, uh, that of great value and can be of great value to the church. Uh, may God continue to raise up uh, servants for for him. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness. Uh, we rejoice in uh, all that you are doing, and I pray that as a church we would continue to mentor, uh, to develop, uh, that we would continue to have individuals that uh, we have the opportunity to work with and uh, to support and to instruct, and uh, Lord, that are going to be uh, used of you. I, I pray that you would help us in this regard, uh, we pray for Jared, even as uh, the anticipation is that he will be coming uh, on board with us full time in, in June. I pray this would be meaningful in his life, be valuable, beneficial, helpful, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is a great privilege to serve Jesus Christ. And as Paul talked about Timothy as a real servant, as a servant's heart and attitude. And uh, Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I have come to serve and give my life a ransom for many. 
And so would you take your hymnal and let us sing together number 497. There's great joy in serving Jesus. I know that many of you have experienced, are experiencing that. Maybe you haven't come to that place yet where you really enjoy serving Christ. There's no greater joy than to serve the King of Kings. Let's stand as we sing. Thank you. 